0: Welcome to Arrowhead Pride Radio, each and every Wednesday night, 6 to 7 o'clock, right here on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Jay Binkley, usually with Pete Sweeney, but CDOT and Rob commandeered Pete Sweeney for four hours between 2 and 6. I kid, I kid, but he's going to do TV tonight. So, we'll have Kent Swanson. He's in Mobile, Alabama. The eyes on the Chiefs 2021 draft. We'll talk to Kent Swanson in a little bit uh, coming up, Rob, you weren't here last night, but uh, we had a little bit of fun with Matt Lane. He's part of that crew of Arrowhead Pride with Craig Stout and Ken Swanson and uh, Matt Lane. They're all down in Mobile, Alabama. And evidently, they were staying in some place that they usually did, but the accommodations were not good. They had bedbugs. They had no internet. They've got to file stories to arrowheadpride.com. That get, you know, we're going to talk about these workouts. So they told Pete. Pete ended up having him moved. To a different place, so then I had Pete on last night, and I said, "What's going on, Pete? They don't even have internet. You want stories and content, and your guys can't even do it." So anyway, I gave Pete quite a bit of grief last night. But regardless, we have a Super Bowl to talk about. It's kind of funny because we start this show at the beginning of the year. You know, can the Chiefs make it? And then it turned into can the Chiefs go undefeated? And then after that Raiders loss, it became the uh, Circle of Stadium Gate. We talked about that. Will the Chiefs lose again? But here we are, right back where we started, with the Kansas City Chiefs being the top dog in the NFL. And I was at uh, I was out to lunch with my mom today, and they had ESPN on. And unfortunately, I had to read the the chyron because the, the sound was down. What do they call that, Rob? The uh, the, the on and off the uh, the, when the words no, when the words are oh, on the TV. Uh, subtitles subtitles yes. Like, at a crowded bar, there's the subtitles. Even though Dana Hughes showed me this really cool app, I'll show it to you, and you take it up to any TV you want, like you're at a bar, and you get that sound on your phone. Even in a house, no matter where you're at, like, I take that TV and get that TV sound right on my phone. Dana Hughes showed me this, and it's like my life's not been the same since Dana showed me this. But they were talking about the Chiefs, and could they be beaten? And just look on Marcus Spears' face. You know, when he's talking to Ryan Clark – You could tell right there, they were kind of like, we're going to bag these guys again. We're going to talk about how the Chiefs can't do it. They're going against Tom Brady. Mr. Three interceptions last week. Are we seriously wanting to do this to the Kansas City Chiefs again? Patrick Mahomes, 25-1 and his last 26 games. In that 26-game stretch, he's thrown for almost 293.3 yards a game. No, not almost. That's exactly what he's thrown for. 60 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. It's been an incredible stretch. But yet they, you know, will will try to to dig up. Well, they, they can't do this. They can't do that. Well, the bottom line is the Chiefs are gelling at the right time. They really are. This team is doing so many things extremely well. The Buffalo Bills found that out last weekend. Because this defense that had its holes in certain areas at different times were suffocating Josh Allen. That Bills team was coming in here. Feeling good. They were airing the ball all out over the field. Josh Allen was looking, eh, maybe we should have put this guy more up in the MVP conversation. Great year by Josh Allen. Brian Dayball, the offensive coordinator, former Kansas City Chiefs assistant. said, You know, people giving him credit. Stephon Diggs, you know, who's more responsible for Josh Allen's turnaround. Well, the Chiefs covered each one of his receivers. He had nowhere to go with it. That was a beatdown on the Buffalo Bills, and the score is not indicative of the beatdown. For one, they got the ball on the three-yard line because of a muff pot. Two, they were scared, and we'll get to that in just a minute, with kicking field goals instead of touchdowns, and you would think that at a certain point, you would think that at a certain point, teams would learn. Well, I heard this gem by Rich Eisen. As you know, I've had this embrace-to-hate mantra going, Rob. Kindly recognized it yesterday when I was in with the drive. I I think it's catching on, Rob. The Twitter uses it and everything. When all these people say bad things about the Chiefs, it fires you up. You guys have Pat Mahomes on every Monday at 2.15 on the drive exclusively. And he talked about it this week. They, They hear the noise. Like, they hear the noise. But by the time the Chiefs get there next week, Rich Eisen said it perfectly today. The Chiefs are going to be a tad bit salty. By the time we get there, the Chiefs are going to be like, okay, okay, I get it, it's Tampa, in Tampa, and I get it's Brady and all that, but who's wearing a ring? Who's coming in to defend? (laughs) Who's got the opportunity to defend? By the time this game kicks off two weeks from now, Chiefs are going to be salty. A salty,
1: salty bunch. Ready to tell Tom Brady, great, good job. Good job, Tom. Good job. Whole country is gonna be pulling up a chair and we are going to subject you and the rest of the country to a dominance that should shut the page, shut the book
0: on twenty twenty one in most emphatic style. I cannot wait for this game. Shut the book, start the dynasty with the Kansas City Chiefs and have them just in this rear air. This air that nobody's at. Good morning football yesterday. They were calling it the Mahomes Football Conference. He just owns everybody. Drew Brees this year, Mahomes beat him. Tom Brady this year, Mahomes beat him. Josh Allen, everybody's all American. Mahomes beat him twice. Baker Mayfield, look out for Baker. Mahomes beat him. 6 0 against playoff teams. And there was Marcus Spears in Ryan Clark when I was trying to read what they were saying on TV. And I think I got the gist of it. Is Marcus Spears, so they just know how to play football. All three phases come together at the right time. Yes, you can look at the Chiefs and you can knock them down in certain areas, but they just know how to play the game. They just know how to push your buttons. They know exactly what your weaknesses are, and it starts from the top to the bottom. And we've seen that this year with the Chiefs. They took everybody's best shot. They really did. And they'll say, well, there's nothing to that. No, there is something to that. Andy Reid's even mentioned it this year. They they get everybody's best shot, but they won't talk about it, but they are. Because... A team giving the Chiefs a run is a moral victory to that team. Hey, we gave the world champs a run. Exhibit A, Las Vegas Raiders. Beat the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. Proceed to do two victory laps around the stadium. <laughs> On the couch watching the playoffs like the rest of us. But that, that made their season. And there was a point towards the end of the season I said, you know what, if they lose the Chargers, that's not the end of the world. They're 14-2. and If the Chiefs are 15-1, and the Raiders might actually print T-shirts up that say the only team to beat the Chiefs. Like, that's the pettiness of the Las Vegas Raiders. But Keyshawn Johnson said something that really incorporated what Marcus Spears and Ryan Clark were starting to talk about with the Chiefs, separating themselves from the rest.
2: It's not a surprise at all that they would get back to the Super Bowl. Uh, The key for them, though, is winning the Super Bowl. If they win the Super Bowl, then there's something to talk about. If they lose the Super Bowl, it's just kind of like, okay, they lost the Super Bowl. We've seen this movie before where teams have been young and exciting and the quarterback's been young and exciting, and we're like, oh, they're going to be around forever. And then they lose the Super Bowl, and then they, for whatever reason, they can't figure out how to win another one for a period of time. And I think you could point to the team that lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Aaron Rodgers has yet to get back to the Super Bowl again. Or you could point to the Seattle Seahawks in a young Russell Wilson with a dominant defense has yet to win another Super Bowl. Got back, but it's like they can't get out of their own way now. Mm. Now look at the Rams Mm. situation. They didn't win it, but we figured, oh, they're gonna be okay. Jared Goff, hundred million dollars. Oh my God, he had an MVP type season with the Super Bowl. Can't get out of their own way. So as you start to look at it, the the key thing will be winning the Super Bowl. If they win the Super Bowl, they're gonna that thing is getting ready. To, they getting ready to drop another three in the next six years or something like Dynastic.
3: that. Dynastic, yes. We can start saying it. Yes,
2: it's but too early
0: it. right uh, now. It may or may not be too early. If Mahomes wins this one, he's already got a third of the rings Brady has. He loses this one. It's seven to one. It's it's that that feeling we have wanting Tiger to catch Jack, and it seems so far away, 15 majors to 18 majors. Seven to one is some separation. But yeah, people are poised for the Chiefs to keep knocking them off. Look at three street trips to the AFC title game. I went from, well, I wasn't born, believe it or not, I'm an old dude, but I wasn't born the last time or the first time they went to the AFC title game and, and won a Super Bowl. Back in the 69 season, 1970, wasn't even born. I was telling the story. I went to Evan Bain, who's been a journeyman in the NFL, started more games at Mizzou. I was at his graduation party. And I'm sitting there looking at this dude going, he hasn't ever been alive when the Chiefs have actually won a playoff game. Like, it is amazing how far we've gotten. Here's Andy Reid's this week, his thoughts on going to -to back-to-back Super Bowls. Yeah, well,
4: I I just think uh, the ability that, uh, I'm going to come back to Brett here real quick on this, but, for him to be able to sign back the players that he signed back to keep the team as whole as he possibly could. Um, Easier said than done there. But I think that continuity between the players and the coaches has been a positive uh, up to this point. So, and uh, that we all kind of know what needs to be done uh, to get, to get here and uh, everybody just did it. And then, I think, listen, the fact that guys did their best to try to stay healthy, there had to be a certain dedication of that. So we didn't have a whole position uh, miss a game or or that. So, I mean, things were going to happen. We knew that. and It was just a matter of uh, staying as disciplined as you possibly could, but still having your family uh, and wife, uh, significant other that, has a life to live too. so then you kind of work through that so uh but these guys i thought did a nice job with that uh, of not uh if they did if they were infected it, it didn't spread over to the remaining part of the team
0: consistency is the fuel that drives the chief's truck it just does it's the mark of consistency just like nick saban after the title game We know that those that handle things the best with all the disruptions we've had in 2020 will be there at the end. And that's how I've looked at Andy Reid that whole time. When Nick Saban said that, I said, that's Andy Reid. He's handled disruptions. He's handled distractions. She's doing the right thing. Did he things right off the field, on the field? It's why they don't have certain problems that other teams do because their focus is on running it back, and it was from the minute they won the first Super Bowl. Here was uh, Andy Reid. Great column, too, by Therese on this subject and it was Andy Reid basically saying he said this on Monday that Mahomes continues to amaze even him these are things you don't hear from Andy Reid
4: yeah well listen you guys are seeing him grow right in front of you here so he's a homegrown right here in Kansas City for the National Football League part of it and I I think you see you're seeing the steps that he's taken and um, I sit there, and I'm I'm an old guy that's seen a couple of court, good, pretty good quarterbacks, and I just keep going, this guy seems to amaze me a little bit more every game. So. How
0: about that? He does that with us, too. There's the head coach saying he seems to amaze me every single thing that he does. And as far as Patrick Mahomes, I mentioned he comes on with the drive uh, 215 each and every Monday with uh, CDOT and Sean and Rob, and... This is him and how he feels about chasing Brady, because that's really the storyline that we have. It's not Arians versus Reed, and why would it be? It's not Tyreek Hill versus Scotty Miller, who thinks he's faster. It's about Brady and Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, anything you do, you want to win uh, and, and be
1: the most successful. So, I mean, it's going to be hard to do if you go to 10 Super Bowls and you got six rings and all that different type of stuff. You have to understand that. You have to go about doing uh, whatever you can to be the best person and the best player that you can be. And so, uh, for me, I understand the team that I have around me and the opportunity that we have going into this game, and we to try to maximize that uh, as, as best as possible possibly can.
0: When we come back on Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery, we'll hold, head down to Mobile, Alabama. Our Chiefs offensive insider each and every week, Kent Swanson. Well, he's down there, got his eye with the stopwatch. You know, he's measuring hands. He's doing the things you got to do down at the senior bowl. We talk to Kent Swanson next. This is Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented by the Kansas Lottery, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome to Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Jay Binkley, Rob Britton, producing the operation. No Pete, who's got TV to do. And at least he got Kent, Craig, and Matt Lane. Some Wi-Fi, because I had to get on him last night. But joining us now is, of course, Kent Swenson. He's the lead draft and film analyst for ArrowheadPride.com. And he joins us on the Comfort Heating and Cooling Hotline. Good evening, Kent.
1: Jay, yes. always a pleasure to be on with you, my friend. It's been a crazy week. It is. I'm trying to drive, try to balance this Senior Bowl stuff. And, oh, yeah, by the way, our favorite football team's going to the Super Bowl. Yes,
0: yes, Kent, yes. Your guy, Patrick LaVon Mahomes, the guy that you named your kids' uh, middle name after.
1: I can either confirm or deny
0: that. <laughs> hey, did you hear me with the deal? I, I, I talked to Pete. I, I called Pete last night on my show when Maddie said that you guys didn't have internet for a while or something. And I got to the bottom of it.
1: Yeah, no, hey, I appreciate it. I will let you know we have 500 megabit internet now. Sweet. That's so, what I'm talking I about. I mean, we went from nothing. Yeah, and to, bed bugs. Like, just. Just the just the Cadillac of of internet right now, my friend. I'm telling you, it's it's great. Pete had the
0: nerve to tell me that bed bugs make character.
1: Well, I mean, I, I would expect nothing less from a Pete to, to to force us to try to tough things
0: out. <laughs> well, you're down at the Senior Bowl and it's good times. How, how about this? How about Scotty Miller telling Dan Patrick that he's faster than one Tyree Kill now. He didn't – Scotty Miller did not go to the combine, but he is fast. At his pro day, he supposedly ran a 4-3-6. Sorry, but Tyree Kill is in the 4-2
1: category, which we don't officially know. Look, here's the thing about Scotty Miller. If Scotty Miller was as fast as Tyree Kill, he would be getting more playing time than he he is because Tyree Kill outran the defense that Scotty Miller season practice (laughs) All the time, yeah. To the tune of what, two hundred yards and a half?
0: In the I first mean, quarter, he had two hundred yards. Yeah, so they they can't I mean, stop him.
1: Look, if, if if the if the Buccaneers were were so shell shocked by Tyree Hill's speed, there's just no chance that Scotty Miller can come close. This man's all talk. I don't know why you would do this right before the Super Bowl. Are you trying to give the World Champions a reason to? To not be, you know, anything but loose and focused. I mean, this is uh, real smart move. Please, actually, please continue to do it, though. Seriously, Scotty, anyone else? Carlson Davis. I know you got roasted last game. Do you want to just keep making some making some comments? By all means.
0: <laughs> well, what would you think? Well, First of all, this offense got things in tune, and they showed you what they can really do uh, against the Buffalo Bills. Travis Kelsey was unguardable. And I had talked to people at Buffalo, and they said, well, they're going to put Matt Milano on him at times. I said, I hope you're going to do more than that because he will eat his lunch up if it's Milano versus Kelsey. You better have some safety help over the top. But Hill, Kelsey, all flash, so did Mahomes. This offense got back into the gear that we're used to. Yeah, it kind of just
1: feels like they just never hit that gear. They weren't really content to are intent on hitting that gear. It feels like they've been holding some stuff back and they really haven't shown a full reveal and honestly, frankly, a little bit bored with this season because their season started in January and you've seen them flip the switch. And some people kind of talk about, you know, flipping the switch on on a team and, and, and really, you know, kind of really transitioning into a playoff mode, but this team actually did do it. You know, some teams might get caught and stuck in that gear or you know maybe they just, you know, think too highly of themselves, but I think Andy Reid trusts this team enough that, you know, they're gonna handle business every Sunday to the tune of fourteen of fourteen out of uh, you know, fourteen and one, you know, when Patrick Mahomes and the starters were playing, and knowing that they have enough left in the tank for the long stretch. And I think you've kind of seen that. This team has been really good about managing um, you know, their play script, their game script, all that stuff. And I think this is what you've got. And I I think there's more in the tank they're about to unload on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
0: I think so too. What do you think is the We look at the Bills game in week six. There wasn't a whole lot to take away from that for this matchup because they were a completely different team. And I know the Bucs, they've been been 7-0. Tom Brady's 7-0 since that Chiefs meeting. But I think there's certain things you can take away. Tampa is still having trouble taking away the vertical ball. And it was evident in that Packers game because Aaron Rodgers was able to throw and exploit him when he had the time, was able to exploit him down the field. They still have to figure out how to cover Tyreek Hill because that game was one of the single most impressive games I've seen a wide receiver completely school a defense. And that defense is back to where it was then. Antoine Winfield didn't play last week. He'll play in the Super Bowl. Could we Should we expect anything less than Tyreek Hill unless Mahomes doesn't have time to throw?
1: So it's going to be an interesting conversation for the next couple of weeks, but I think my initial thought is you know, what you saw from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the second half of that game was they played real soft coverage. They were just giving up on trying to be physical at the line of scrimmage with the Chiefs. They were getting torched left and right, specifically by Tyree Kill. So they pivoted away. They wanted to be who they are. They wanted to, you know, stamp their identity on that game on defense, and they weren't able to do it, so they had to adjust. And they wound up playing really, really soft coverage, forcing the Chiefs to lay things up, you know, forcing them, you know, to, to not throw these and challenge down the field. And, you know, ultimately, you know, it kind of helped, helped the Buccaneers get back into the game a little bit. The problem for the Buccaneers, though, is this. They have an opportunity to attack Patrick Mahomes because of the lack of tackles. So they can get after that pass rush and try to be physical at the line of scrimmage and really create some problems, you know, get home with that pass rush and, and really kind of create uh, or, or, or limit those easy, you know, initial completions on that short underneath stuff. So do you risk it with what you saw against press the last time these two teams played and try to rush the passer with these weak tackles? Or do you play the soft coverage and allow Patrick Mahomes to just kind of slice and dice you down the field, you know, with these easy completions and him getting the ball out of his hands quickly? These are the, you know, the discussions that the Buccaneers are going to have to have and have to, you know, kind of create a game plan around because there's opportunities to exploit the Chiefs, but also if you don't do that, you know, there's, (laughs) <laughs> you're running the risk of, you know, the, the press game really just kind of falling and blowing up in your face again.
0: And when you look at this game, too, you look at this, this pass rush of the Buccaneers. It's no joke, okay? Quarterback KD is, they're sitting there third in the NFL with 66. Chiefs just right behind him at fourth with 63. Quarterback pressures is number two, 187 on the season. So they are able to put pressure on the quarterback. They're fourth in the NFL in sacks. What do the Chiefs need to do offensively to kind of counteract that with not having Schwartz and not having Fisher in this game?
1: Yeah, I think a little bit of it obviously depends on how the Bucks are going to try to play this game. If they're going to play off and soft and, and rush four, or are they going to pressure? Are they going to play man coverage and try to get home? It kind of depends on that. But I think regardless – there are some things that you can do in both instances. I think the ball's got to get out of Patrick Mahomes' paint. I think you've got to be a little bit more focused on doing that in the quick game. Try to get some easy completions, be it you know, some of the rub concepts that they like to run. This would be a really good opportunity for you know, Clyde edwards DeLair out of the backfield if they're going to play man coverage. The she can create traffic and get him out the ball on the sideline. Um, You're going to have to do that. You're going to move the pocket a little bit. You know, roll out. You know, get Patrick Mahomes rolled out of the pocket and away from those big defenders and put him on the move a little bit. Um, there's a couple things you can do there. But also, you know, if Mahomes can go, I think he can navigate some of this pressure that is inevitable. Um, and, and maybe some of those bad habits come, at, come back with a deep drop and you actually are kind of living with it because, you know, it's, a, it's an opportunity for him to extend plays by just dropping deeper and deeper and having the arm talent to make those plays. It's going to be fascinating to see how the Chiefs navigate, but there are some things that they can do. And part of it could just be, hey, let's put the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands and good things are going to happen.
0: Uh, Carrington asked me who I expected to see run the ball more in this time. Now listen, 32 steps Clyde got 30 steps. Darrell Williams, Darrell Williams got more carries in the football game, more touches in the game. I felt with Clyde being out since the saints game, this was kind of a litmus test to see him take a hit, see what he can do. But with kind of a shaky offensive line going into this Clyde Edwards helaire to me is the number one choice at running back because of the elusiveness.
1: Yeah, I think in, I think in the you know probably the early work I think you give to Cloud Edwards-Helaire and you try to get him out in the backfield and out of backfield in space against some of these um, you know linebackers potentially even though they're really good coverage linebackers try to get you know him lost against man coverage if they're going to play it. Um, but I think Darrell Williams has got to be your guy in those big passing downs on third down because he's such a great pass protector. You know he's a really quality chipper. Um, he can really provide some value you know for that offensive line in the protection game. And you've got to utilize that in the situations, you know, the high leverage, big play situations on this third down, which, I mean, are ultimately going to be a big factor in deciding this football game.
0: All right, Kent, you're down there with uh, Maddie and uh, Craig Stout. Who's, uh, who's your eyes on? What are you looking at in the first round with the Chiefs?
1: Man, I mean, first rounders here, there's not a ton of guys that I, I really see the Chiefs potentially taking here at the Senior Bowl in the first round. You could look at maybe a guy like Alex Brotherwood, the left tackle out of Alabama. Um, but there are some really quality offensive linemen across the board. Bank, I'm telling you what, man, this offensive line group uh, in this in this draft class, it was already you know there was really positive indicators with it. The junior class, there's some juniors in here, but this senior bowl group, it's showing that its depth and it's unbelievable. Some small school guys, you have probably seen Quinn Miners picture uh, the U, the Wisconsin Whitewater Division three offensive lineman. You probably see him on Twitter with his you know crop top shirt. Uh, he's been really impressive. David Moore, a guard out of uh, Grambly, who played center today and looked like one of the better centers in this class. There's so many guys in this offensive line group at all the positions. You got to feel really good for the Kansas City Chiefs because there is going to be a a severe need for offensive line moving forward.
0: What about a guy like Spencer Brown? We're talking Northern Iowa with him. I know he's turning some heads. We're talking about a guy 6'8", 6'9", around 320 pounds, you get him here at the Chiefs' training table, and you're probably looking at six nine, three hundred and forty pounds by the time it's all said and done. Not sure he's NFL ready right away, but it's certainly somebody that stocks rising at the Senior Bowl. Yeah,
1: there's definitely some tools to work with for him. And I mean, he he's got you know some very obvious talent, and some of the measurements you can't coach. Um, and he's a guy that yeah, I wouldn't be stunned to see if the Chiefs think that they don't need immediate help at the tackle position. They like the athletic profile of a guy that, you know, is 6'8", and, and, and a legitimate, you know, just long limbs and big hands. And, you know, maybe you could put a little bit more weight on him, maybe. But there's a guy that, yeah, I wouldn't be stunned to see the Chiefs, you know, be interested in because I do think there is a high ceiling. If the Chiefs want to try to invest and try to find and identify some high ceiling offensive linemen, he's a guy that they could take a look at and somewhere probably in day three. All or right.
0: day two, sorry. It'd be, it'd be probably day two. Day two. Day two. All right, what do you think of Alex Leatherwood, the Remington or the Outland winner, best <laughs> offensive lineman? Is there any way he falls to the Chiefs? Because I keep seeing him around 24 to 28.
1: Oh, yeah. I think there's a chance that he falls. There, you know, he might be a guy that goes earlier than we're all thinking. But with such a deep offensive line class and so much competition at the tackle position, um, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he could be there at 32. Uh, and he's had a pretty good day. I think he's really done a, a good job helping himself this week, uh, and specifically today, held his own out on the edge. Really, you know, the only guy that really gave him fits today was Quincy Roche uh, out of Miami. So, uh, you know, light on his feet. The only issue you have with him is a little bit of a struggle with power. You know, he doesn't always do great against those power rushers. Some people think he might need to move inside, and if that's the case, he's probably best in his own scheme. The Chiefs have kind of pivoted away from some of that a little bit. They've been looking for those big, burly guys along the interior. So, fascinating fit. Um, I, I don't think he's out on the Chiefs for you know, it, but it just kind of depends on how you look at him.
0: And one last guy, Can't this be the final question. Creed Humphrey, he was the center at Oklahoma. Yeah, getting the center in the first round maybe be iffy, but Creed Humphrey's a different kind of cat. This guy had not allowed a, a quarterback sack in the last two years. Not only has he got that, he's got the frame to be a guard as well.
1: I think his best fit is still going to be center, and I think he's done a pretty good job of helping himself. I, you know, I think there's been a little bit of a misconception between the media and the NFL about Chris Humphrey. Um, I think you know some people thought he might be a, a round one lock a year ago, and I think there's some people that still think he's probably a round one player. He looks more like a day two guy to me, and I think he's competing with a lot of guys this week that you know have shown different strengths. He had a really good day today as well, which I think helped him because day one was pretty rough for him. Uh, he's also another guy that kind of struggles with power. Uh, I thought he was, I don't think he was the best center today by any stretch of the word. I think if you look at David Moore out of Grambin, like I talked about a minute ago, he's a guy that I thought had a really good day. Um, but Creed Humphrey, I think, you know, for his movement skills, if you want to try to run. As own scheme, I think he can he can have a lot of success,
0: too. Awesome stuff. You, Craig Stout, Matt Lane, have fun down at the Senior Bowl, Kent, and of course uh, have fun with the Super Bowl next weekend. and we'll talk to you next week, but anyway, thanks a bunch, Kent.
1: Alright, I'll have a beer for you, buddy.
0: That's right, that's right. I'm sure you will. Matt Miller's down there. He's already found the spot. That's right. Thanks to Kent Swanson for joining us on the Comfort Systems Heating and Cooling Hotline. Coming up next, Craig Stout. He's down there at the group, and he's been busy down in Mobile, Alabama, so we won't have Craig this week, but we'll talk about the Chiefs' defenses versus surgeons next. This is Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented by the Kansas Lottery, 610 Sports Radio. And welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio. I'm Jay Bankley. Rob Britton, producing the operation. Rob, I don't know if Sinner's out of the equation for the Chiefs. Austin Ryder's a UFA. Daniel Kilgore spelled a little bit of time with him, did a good job, but he had to be talked back to coming out. You know, he was maybe going to retire back in Tennessee, and he comes here. But getting a solid center going forward, a big-time guy like a Creed Humphrey, like a Landon Dickerson, who got hurt a little bit there and keeping the final snap for Alabama, but was the Remington Award winner as the best center in the country. Creed Humphrey hadn't given up a sack in two years. And look at the Heismans they've had at Oklahoma. I don't know if Sinner's out of the equation for the Chiefs, to be honest with you. Quarterback of that offense, it may not be a sexy pick in round one. Where, where do you have them going
3: round one? Offensive line? I think I think round one they can truly do what every GM says they want to do and go best player available. Best available. Because they'll have enough players in most positions where they're not kind of stuck. I don't know why I'd love center in round one. I do think Creed Humphrey is incredible. Stut. But I don't know centers the move. I actually wouldn't hate to see receiver there if a good one kind of tumbled down. You're not going to get Devonta Smith or Jamar Chase. Don't be silly. But if you got a good receiver at 32, Chris I would hate that. Be there. Chris Olave's going back to school. That's right. Olave is going back to school. I would have yeah, love so loved Olave. Chris Olave, Olave would have been amazing. But unfortunately, just looked
0: at the end of the first round guy, too. He would have been perfect. And Charlie Kohler, the tight end, he's going back to school. There's a couple guys. I like Josh Myers, the center at Ohio State. I really like a guy that did opt out this year, uh, Rashawn Slater at Northwestern. He could play center, he could play guard, and he could play tackle. But Usually it's Craig Stout here at this time, but this defense of the Chiefs has been suffocating. Brought it up just a little bit. But how good they've been down the stretch. You know, you look at different games this year. That Broncos game, the one that was uh, um, in Kansas City, 22-16. to 16, I felt that was a defensive game. The five field goals in that game, defense stepping up. They held uh, Drew Brees down against New Orleans. They held the Atlanta Falcons to 14 points. Listen, I know Atlanta's not a great football team, but... They could move the ball around and they weren't able to against this defense. And Josh Allen really saw a storm with this Kansas City Chiefs defense. They were all over him. Even Tony Romo, like on the broadcast, you know, pointing out all the guys that are covered and areas that he couldn't go to and couldn't throw to. Now they were able to run the Chiefs. So like, okay, you can run with Devin Singletary if you want. Singletary really wasn't the one that hurt him. He only had 17 yards rushing. Josh Allen did earn him. 88 yards rushing on 77 seven carries. Tom Brady's not going to do that. He's not going to do that whatsoever. So the advantage of the Chiefs going forward, you got Fournette, looks a little fresher, nice little spin move against the Packers. But still, this defense is coming together. And Chris Jones is looking like a complete beast with this team. I got in an argument with somebody last night talking about Chris Jones and what he makes and is he really doing enough to show that, that he's the guy. Well, here's the Anthony Hitchens talking about how Chris Jones is a beast.
4: Yeah. I mean, Chris is uh, unstoppable, like 90% of the time, man. He's, He's a big, fast, strong, quick, you know, human. There's not too many guys in this league that, you know, can block him or wants to block him for that matter. Uh, and from first snap to the last snap, he, he was going, you know, hard and 110 and that's what we need. Uh, It's the playoffs, man. Your best players got to play well. And I think uh, as a team, we did that.
0: In sacks, don't always really matter. It's pressure on the quarterback, forcing them to throw on their back feet, movement around. Chris Jones had seven pressures in that game. Seven. Tano Pass, and Frank Clark each had four in that game. You want to go back. This is 27 of his 58 dropbacks. Josh Allen, there was a blitz. We haven't seen that kind of pressure since 2009. Here's where Chris Jones ranks since 2018 on pro football focus. His, his overall grading is 91.8 grade in deteriorated defensive linemen. It's number two. His pressures rank number two for defensive linemen since 2018. It's unbelievable what Chris Jones is doing in the kind of havoc. Force Tom Brady. In that, but keep in mind, he's not going anywhere. So, Frank Clark come around one side, Tano Pass, you know, Chris Jones pushing up the middle. But the most important thing that I think Spagnola is really doing is taking advantage of the offense by using corner blitzes. I mean, Logerius Sneed, right in front of our eyes, has gotten four cornerback sacks his last four starts. The Chiefs have five straight cornerback sacks in five straight games if you want to include DeAndre Baker before he got hurt against the Chargers. They're manufacturing ways to get to the quarterback, make them feel uncomfortable, and this is what we've seen. Yes, sometimes stats are the end-all be-all we look at, but pressures are right there too because when you're pressuring the quarterback, you're affecting the quarterback. You're making a move around, and we see what happens in previous years when there's no pressure. Like, remember that game where the Chiefs beat the Texans in the postseason they go to New England? Nobody hit Tom Brady. The only person that hit Tom Brady in that game was Desmond Moses, who had two snaps and one of the snaps, 15-yard penalty, because he hit Brady late. That's the only time he was even touched. And I know it seems simple. He pressured the quarterback, they're going to fold. Well, any time Manning was ever beaten in the postseason or Brady is when the other team made him feel uncomfortable. And this defense is perfectly capable of doing it. Tom Brady, fling that football around like he did against the Packers. But you know what? The Honey is going to be right there waiting for him. And I thought Shavarius Ward had a very good game for this Chiefs secondary. I'm actually really confident in the Chiefs defense against the Buccaneers. I feel that all along this defense kind of feels slighted a little bit. No one's really talking about them. They're talking about Mahomes and they're talking about Tyreek and they're talking about Travis Kelsey and they're talking about Reed and the offense. Oh, yeah. Let's talk Spagnola. Let's see what he's doing with LeJarius Sneed. They don't do that as much. Or Chris Jones. The defense has kind of been an afterthought, a little bit of the chip on the shoulder, and I like that. Your text, 913-576-7610, the J Southland Toast Service text line. Text in anything you want about the Kansas City Chiefs, whether it's in the draft or looking at the Super Bowl against the Buccaneers. Plus, a player that says he's faster than Tyreek Hill. All that next. This is Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented by the Kansas Lottery, 610 Sports Radio. And welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio. Jay Bingley with Rob Britton. 913-576-7610 Nine one three five seven six seven six ten is the text line, J Southland Toe Service Text Line. Well, I mentioned Scotty Miller, wide receiver for the Bucks. Now, Sports Illustrated article says he ran a 439. It was actually clocked at 436. At Tyree Kills Pro Day, because neither one of them went to the combine, was a 429. And to put this in comparison, John Ross ran a 422. But here's what Scotty Miller said. And call it fuel or whatever. I think the Chiefs just kind of laughed this stuff off.
3: How would you do if you and Tyreek Hill lined up? Oh, I'm I'm taking me every day of the week. Um, I'll take me over anybody. Tyreek is unbelievable, uh, super quick, unbelievable talent. But if we're talking about race, I mean I got all the confidence in myself
2: against going up against anybody. Wait, you think you're the fastest guy in the NFL? Yes, sir.
0: It's good to have confidence. Am I wrong, Rob? I mean, that's – I don't look at this as bulletin board material. I look at this as fun. It's like Josh Allen sitting through the ball as far as Mahomes or further in Mahomes. This is the competition within the competition. I don't see that as a slide. I see that as a guy that's extremely confident in what he
3: does. Yeah, I agree. I i think Tyreek Hill is faster, but, like, it, does, it doesn't bother me that a professional athlete thinks they're the best at something. I bet if we polled almost every professional athlete, hey, are you the best at X? They would say yes, because they're just built different with their competitive mindset. And they should say that. Yeah, that's, that's their, their, this is the equivalent of you telling someone in their job, I'm the best at that job. That's what Scott Miller just did. I'm the best at this. That happens all the time in regular work. We don't get worked up about it.
0: Well, and oftentimes, guys that go, don't go to the combine, they feel a little bit slighted. But take pro days with a grain of salt. They're, it's much different than running an Indy. You know why? You might have a backwind. Nice little tailwind to help you out a little bit. Pro You never know what you're going to – I mean, seriously, it happens. It doesn't happen in Indy because it's indoors. Pro days, eh, everything's off the table. Could be the weather, the field you're used to. I mean, there's a lot of circumstances. Being at the Combine seems like high pressure. Everybody's watching you. You got Rich Eisen up in the booth looking at every little thing you do and filming it. Ask Chris Jones. He had a wardrobe malfunction. During the
3: 40, but everybody's staring at everybody. your pro day. You're around your guys. And it's your coaches or your staffers that your are coaches, clicking the button. Your, your staffers. A little, little quick fingered, maybe your guys. You're not there
0: with the other best. There's got to be a little bit of a, and he was crusher. a Bowling
3: green too. So it was, it was small, small. It wasn't just smaller. It was small, small. Ask the Dieter. Dieter transferred from
0: Bowling green to Bama. But the bottom line is you're around your dudes, man. You're going to be better. It's like going and playing golf. You go play golf with your buddies. You chunk a couple off the tee box. You're like, all right, yeah. But you're sitting there and a bunch of people are watching you. You're like, oh, gosh. <laughs> and you start to clam up a little bit, right, at the tee box. You start to clam up. So I don't have really much of a problem with that whatsoever, with Scotty Miller saying that. You should have some confidence. I get it. But to me, there's, there's track speed and there's football speed. And those are a vastly different thing. When you put the shoulder pads on and you got guys chasing you, it is a different speed than straight line on a track. Because guess what? On a track, no one's waiting to hit you. Nobody. It's why we see the Raiders every year, the fastest guy at the combine. They don't do it anymore, but they did it for a while because nobody's chasing them. You want a football speed guy. But anyway, I found that a little bit interesting. Um, Here's some of the questions from the – uh 816. Trey Brown. Would you take Trey Brown at corner? I don't know if the Chiefs ought to be concentrating on corners so much. Um, because I feel they have something in Charvarius, and I know they have something in Legerious Sneed. And we're talking not high draft picks. And I feel the same way with offensive linemen. Yeah, if you want to get a real stud of stalwart worth like uh, Eric Fisher. Or Bakhtiari at Green Bay that got hurt. But Green Bay, when they won their Super Bowl, the one Super Bowl they won with Rodgers, Balaga was the only first rounder on that offensive line. It had a lot of guys mixed into it. But there's a couple corners I really like, but they're going to be corners the Chiefs aren't going to have a chance at. Patrick Sertan II at Alabama would be my choice, a choice number one. For a corner for the Chiefs, but he's not going to be there, unfortunately, when the Kansas City Chiefs pick. But I'm I'm on board with the offensive line. I know it's not sexy. It's not something that's going to make you drive up by 29 through uh, training camp every day. But it's needed. And as Rob said with wide receivers, I wouldn't have a problem with that either. Because I, I, I can't guarantee you D-Rob's coming back. I doubt Sammy is. I mean, these guys could come back on one-year deals like they did this year. I don't know, but your main weapon is Patrick Mahomes, and you got to keep giving him talent. There's a guy out there, Juju. Now, to me, he's a healthier version of Sammy Watkins. He loves going across the middle, plays on the outside, plays on the inside. He's done it all for Pittsburgh. Yes, he does a lot of TikTok videos and whatever, but the dude can play football. But again, I don't know how much money they're going to spend. She spent a lot of money in the last offseason. The salary cap is going to go from about 198 to about 180 million. It's going the wrong way, and you're going to see some reasonably priced free agents. This is kind of going to be like baseball last couple of years, outside of the Mookie Betts contract and that. But you're talking about getting serviceable players at a reasonable price. I think we're looking at that in the NFL. It went from 189 to 198 from 2018 to 2019. It's about to drop because of lost attendance. But, but, they are getting new TV contracts, and that'll put more money into the coffer. Huge thanks to Kent Swanson joining us from Mobile, Alabama, down at the Senior Bowl. Pete Sweeney will be back in with me next week. Huge thanks to Rob Brenton, who's stayed here for five hours, and he's still going. He's ready to go some more. He's going to stay here. He's going to stay here and listen to the Kansas State game.
3: Why? Because he wants to. And you know, I like Baylor. I like I think Baylor's really good. <laughs> you like watching Baylor? I do like watching Baylor.
0: Well, regardless, been a lot of fun. Five fifty-eight in the morning, Fesco in the morning gets started. Actually, earlier than that. Five AM. Run it back special. Testy Pete Sweeney. They've been going since she's in the postseason, they've been going as well. Regardless, good night everybody.